Good evening and welcome to Six Wars Back. Uh, this week we start off with some kind of contentious news that uh, we go on for quite a bit about because it, I, I personally think it's really important to discuss. Um, we then talk about this week's movie, which is uh, Ocean's 8, a movie I haven't seen yet, but Oliver has, and so he talks about it, we kind of have a brief discussion. Um, and then we go move on to buy pick as always and finish it out with a spotlight. So hopefully you enjoy the show. You can always follow us at Sixers Back at on Twitter, Sixers Back Podcast at gmail.com or uh, SoundCloud, uh, Sixers Back Podcast as well. Enjoy. Welcome back once again to Six Rows Back. This is episode number 95. We've been doing this for a while. My name is Oliver. Joining me as always is my good friend and co-host Matt. Hello there. Yeah, we have been doing this for a while. I think we're entering our third year of recording. Yeah, with a few missed episodes. Yeah, I mean, we missed a couple here and there, but, you know, nearly 100 episodes. Like, pretty happy with that. I'll have to do something interesting in five weeks' time-ish. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> uh, fine. If you have any ideas for what you want us to do to celebrate episode number 100, let us know. Yes. We get inbox with, like, rank your top 100 movies of all time. Uh, yeah, we'll, probably. We'll figure it out. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, we've got lots to talk about this week. We're going to start off, as always, with some movie news. Um, I guess I'll go first this week. So mine's going to be about the DC Universe. Uh, extended Universe, I should say. So, for a while now, uh, Jeff Johns, who is, like, the big shot at DC, you know, he's done a lot of great writing in terms of comics and stuff. Some he's what of the, made, got me back into comics, actually. Yeah, he's just a, generally a super cool dude, and he's been the, kind of, basically the producer um, and director of the DCEU, um, so he was the chief creative officer um, for DC Entertainment for a while. So, kind of in a similar role to Kevin Feige at Marvel which I think was a good move, because if you look at, like, you know, he, I don't think he was in charge when, like, Man of Steel came out, for example. Um, so it was a way to let him have more creative control. And he's stepping down from that because he wants to do more, like, involved work. So he's going to be writing and producing uh, the new Green Lantern movie instead. Um, and so, yeah. That, I mean, that's a... It's an interesting choice, but I think... Like, Green Lantern's Jeff John's baby. Yeah. Like, and always has been. Mm-hmm. So I think, I I think that it will, it's probably for the best. Like, I think we might actually get a decent Green Lantern film out of this, which would be exciting for me as a huge Green Lantern fan. <laughs> yeah, Green Lantern's a really cool hero that I think is really difficult to portray on screen yes. for mainstream audiences, just because, like, if you don't understand his powers... It can come across as just, like, he does whatever he wants. I mean, sort of, but yeah. And there's a lot more to it than that. And I think, like, you know, the different, you know, rancor and everything like that, I, I just think there's a lot that you can be doing with that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, nice. that, I mean, that's what I got. I just thought it was really interesting. I was like, oh, this is a bold move. Um, there's been a lot of kind of shake-up within, like, the DC... Um, world i guess recently so diane nelson was in charge she was overseeing the film division of dc comics and she stepped down recently although she's not leaving 
like the company as a whole. So like from what I'm uh, read, you know, Jeff Johns is basically he's not going to be involved in the leadership of DC Entertainment at all. He's just like you know being hired to work as a writer and producer, just as anybody else would. Like, oh, interesting. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, so Patty Jenkins, you know, kind of tweeted out about you know thanking him for all his support and looking forward to work with him in the future and all that. So, yeah, um, nice. It'll be interesting to kind of see what happens to DC now. I don't know who's taking over. Um, I know Johns is planning on working a little bit more with the TV DC Comics um, productions, so I, I know he's done a lot of writing and stuff with The Flash in the past. Um, mm-hmm. There's a the DC's making a, a series called Titans. I don't know if you know anything about that. Um, I've heard about it. I haven't really been paying attention to it because I have so much TV, other TV that I'm trying to get through that from like '94, <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't really matter. I mean, I think from what I gather, it's going to be like. A, like a live action version like the Teen Titans. Yeah, I mean in that's in yeah, it seems like it's going to be like the same kind of tone as Gotham. Oh no. So, that's not good. I mean, I really like Gotham. Um mm, okay, we'll just have our difference in opinions I mean, on it's that not one. amazing, but I I think it's solid for like the type of show that like I like the idea of grounding a comic book universe in something that's like real and gritty and like that kind of police procedural type of TV show that we see so many of and to be able to be like you know oh here are the villains and a lot of them are people because I think that those villains in like the Batman universe like you know the kind of the mob villains and stuff like that they kind of get looked over a little bit sure and I think that it's a way to give them justice and kind of give like that the criminal because I think when you think of comic book villains and criminals, you think of, like, you know, people with crazy superpowers and yeah. dastardly plots. And I think that grounding it sometimes in, like, no, like, criminals who want to make money, sell drugs, have power in a city, like, actual, like, gangster and mob-type criminals, I think setting that in the world where there is that kind of stuff going on, I think, works really well. I think it's interesting. So, it's not the best, but I think it's interesting. I really like the fact that they have, like, a young Joker in there. Um... I don't know how much of this show you've watched. I've I've literally watched none okay. because I I I just thought it was a bad concept to start with. It, I agreed with you, but it's actually pretty solid. And like, if you watch it like as a police procedural with like DC Easter eggs, it works. Okay, because um, like the main ca- you know it obviously follows um, Gordon, um, who's like the the main protagonist, and like it's set several years prior to most of the Batman related stuff we get. So like Bruce Wayne is a kid. You know, sure. He's been orphaned, but he's still a child. Um, and so, like, you know, you get, like, you know, younger versions of characters that you're used to. And, you know, so, like, the main, most of the first season, for example, deals with, you know, Gordon trying to, like, you know, take down some of the mob. And we get, like, you know, Cobblepot, for example, but not really Cobblepot as we've seen in, like, the Batman movies. But, like, you know, Cobblepot is, like, a weird, eccentric criminal person. Okay. So. Yeah, I'd recommend it. It's worth giving a shot to, at least, in my opinion. So, Nice. Anyway, we kind of got off track there. Um, I guess one other little piece in the sense that we got, you know, we're still in DC, so we're supposedly going to be getting a uh, trailer for Aquaman in the r- relatively near future. And I, I did... This is not related to um, to my movie news, but like apparently the director says that it sets the DCEU back on, back on track. Who said that? The, the director, which... Of, of Aquaman? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not going to come out and be like, yeah, this movie's just as bad as the other ones. <laughs> I made a bad one, guys. <laughs> and, know. you know, it is James Wan who's directing it, and he's made good movies. So, mm. you know, he's more known for his horror stuff, though. So, like, I'm but really... Like, yeah. But, like, deep-sea horror makes sense. Yeah, because like, they That makes sense horrible. to me, man. But, like, that's so. the thing, like, when you think of Aquaman as a character, your first thought isn't, like, horror. Like, I think, like, a Batman horror-type movie would work really well, because, like, it's already sure. dark and grisly. But, like, Aquaman's got such a public reputation as being a silly, ridiculous character. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's what he is, I'm saying that's, you know, kind of public perception. I just, yeah. We'll see how it is. I don't have a lot of faith for it, but, you know. I, I do, I just want Jason Momoa to be a good like he did pretty well in Justice League, I mean, so he was fine. I mean, I don't know. He was a little yep. bit too surfer bro for my taste. Mm, fair enough, but you know, we'll see how it is. I like Jason Momoa. I think Aquaman's a cool character, even if I'm probably in the minority there. I like James Wan, so in theory, all the pieces okay. should be together. But you know, Joss Whedon worked on Justice League, and that was that. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my movie news. What have you got this week? Um, Star Wars fans are real shitty. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. God, like... Are you speaking about a particular incident, or is this just, like, a topic for discussion? I mean, particularly, they've bullied Kelly Murray Tran off of Instagram. Oh, yeah. Which is the worst, mm-hmm. because she's a perfect little cinnamon roll, and I love her so much, and I love Rose. Yep. Um, and... Like John, like just earlier today, John Boyega was like, "I wish he had spoken out earlier about it." But like, I'm gonna find his tweet really quickly. That was like, "If you don't like Star Wars, or the characters understand, uh, or the characters understand that there are decision makers and harassing the actors slash actresses will do nothing. You're not entitled to politeness when you approach when your approach is rude, even if you paid for a ticket." Shrug emoji. Yeah, um, I mean he's, I mean he's great. Yeah, Star Wars I, I just, fans, not so much. I just kind of wish that it had there had been a lot more of a groundswelling faster from some of the actors and and people involved in the in the films. Yeah. I'm happy that they are standing with her. It seems like, but it it almost seems a bit too late, you know. I know, but like I don't know. It just feels like it's one of those things. It's like you know, this is nothing new. It's not like no she's been, like, the first person to have been attacked within Star Wars, because Star Wars fans, as you say, suck. Like, I've... I've, Yeah, they're bad. Yeah, I mean, I've I've watched Last Jedi a couple times since we reviewed it, and I think it's still really good. I don't think I'm (laughs) as high on it as you are. I know it's, like, your favorite one now. It is is legitimately my favorite Star Wars. But for for me, it's still top three. But, I, you know, I I do have problems with it. But at the same time, I'm not going to be like, hmm, you know what? Let's harass this lovely person who's just making content that I like. Like, Exactly. There are worse movies. I'm not sending death threats and hate mail to Patrick Stewart because he decided to be in the Emoji movie. Like, no. And, like, and here's the thing. Like, I I really think it comes back to a lot of, like, misogyny that happens to be in, in... the Star Wars fandom, and mm-hmm. I'm really getting sick and tired of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just so toxic, and it's so, I don't know, entitled, I guess? Like... Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's no there's no reason for it. Yeah. Like, 
you're 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 trying to love something, but you're going about it in such the wrong way, and it's 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 making everybody who's enjoying the films and enjoying like where they're going, you're making us look bad, and I yeah. hate it. And it's like, you know, it used to be at least in, from my perception that like if you were a Star Wars fan. Like, the social perception that came with that is, like, you're a bit nerdy, you're a bit geeky, that kind of thing. Like, oh, you like Star Wars, haha, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it was part of nerd culture rather than hostile culture. Yeah, yeah. and I don't, and I don't exactly know where that, um, where that changed, I but I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I just wish. Like, the original trilogy was so new, so groundbreaking, so revolutionary, and so just really good. Like, the movies are great. And mm -hmm. then we had a break for several years where we didn't get any more Star Wars, and that hype grew and grew, and, like, the understanding of how good it was just grew, you know, it's that kind of like, you know, you remove something for a while and it gets built up, and, you know, that kind of confirmation bias, like, hey, wasn't Star Wars great? Yeah, it was. And then it just kind of goes up and up and up. And then we got the prequels, which know were disappointing yeah and i think disappointing at best at best and like i and i say that as, as a, somebody who kind of likes them right like, and i i think that that i'm not saying it excuses it by any stretch but i can understand that you know having that much of a love for something and then being so disappointed when you've waited years and years and years and years and then phantom menace like I can understand that disappointment, but I don't see how that translates into sending Jake Lloyd, the kid who played, you know, An young Anakin, hate mail, you know, when mm -hmm. I, I can't see that make, you know, making Hayden Christensen, like, basically quit acting, like he does very few projects now, you know, making George Lucas not want to do any more movies, you know, yeah, Daisy Ridley's also deleted her uh, um, Instagram as well as um, Kelly Marie Tran as well, like, it's a toxic fan base. Because there's such like it just seems like there's so much entitlement. Yeah, and, and so I much, don't. Yeah, and I don't know how to fix. Like, obviously, I'm not gonna fix it on a podcast like this. Yeah. But like, it's annoying. It's annoying because it's making people who tr who are are wanting to see where everything goes and make make the fandom more in inviting. It's mm -hmm. it's just like. Everybody, everybody's making it so like it, it's making it so difficult for people to be a part of it. Yeah, and, and I think that I think that's so upsetting. And it's it seems to me like it's the old guard, right? Like it's not kids who have grown up watching. I don't, I don't know. It seems like it might be like the new kids. I I've been seeing a lot more people like you know I've the one I, the phrase I always hear thrown about whenever this stuff comes up is the real fans. So, like, the people that watched them originally in the 70s and stuff, and then, like, their kids. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so the people whose first experience with Star Wars was the original trilogy, basically, is kind mm -hmm. of where most of this is coming from. You know, for me, the first Star Wars movie I ever saw was Attack of the Clones, and the second one was Phantom Menace. And I thought they were really cool at the time, because I was, you know, young, and it was laser swords and droids and laser, you know, and that was cool. And then I, yeah, and then I got older and I saw, you know, movies with a bit more of a critical eye. And I was like, mm, these aren't good. But, you know, the prequels, they're real. You know, the, pre the original trilogy, like, they're cool. You know, I can appreciate that more. And I think that it, I don't know, the, the, yeah. 
I'm like, people see, you know, it's like, oh, why do you have to shoehorn politics? Why do you have to shoehorn all these social justice things into Star Wars? Like, that's part of what Star Wars is. The movie has always been about politics. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, it's re- mm-hmm. rebels, imp- you know, going up against an imperial force. It's, you know, strong, powerful women and female characters standing up for themselves and taking charge over, you know, basically douchebags like Han Solo at times. And Yeah. It, it's, it's redemption arcs, and it's about doing the right thing for the little guy. And I don't get yeah. how people have a problem with that just because... Oh, this time it's a ma- uh, you know two people of color who are going to do social justice stuff instead of a white guy and a white woman, right? Like it, it just it literally makes no sense to me, and yeah. I I just, it that's what's so frustrating is like people. It, it seems like people just aren't aren't able to get it, and I don't. Like I said, I just I wish I knew how to get it through people's skulls that you know this is. It's not, it's not cool the way that people are behaving. Yeah. <sighs> and like, I if you don't like the Last Jedi, fine. That's like, fine. You're allowed to have a different opinion on the movie. I see some of the problems that a lot of people call out, like the whole uh-huh. stuff on Canto Blight. I don't think that's great. I you know, I I see the problems with like the Mary Poppins Leia scene and how that was done. Sure, I I think Canto Blight had its had its reasons for existing right like they, they'll have their positives but i think you know you could have a civilized discussion about it and you can talk about yes and mm-hmm. instead and i'm going to do something that i think you fully know is coming it's just all so uncivilized <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a weapon for a more civilized age yeah and it's just i don't know like there are far worse movies than any of the star wars movies yeah you know? And there are disappointing are. movies, right? Like, when, you know, for example, for me, like, Finding Dory was okay, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Compared to, like, how amazing Finding Nemo is, right? And, you know, you weren't seeing people send Ellen DeGeneres, you know, death threats for it. Or maybe they were. No. You, know, you certainly didn't read about it. You know, you've got... I mean, if they were, they're equally shitty people. Oh, for sure. But, you know, I just don't understand how, where all this vitriol comes from and where this sense of entitlement of, like, yeah, you had three great, great Star Wars movies back in, you know, in the last century, and then, yeah, the tri- the prequels aren't good, but, like, so? Mm-hmm. Like, what and do you it, want? Like, you, oh, no, you're out $10 on a movie ticket, and, you know, you wasted two hours on a movie that wasn't good, so? Like... Or that you didn't enjoy. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I just don't get it. And, like, there are problems with movies. And you can criticize the movie, and you can criticize the people that are in the movie. And I think that's okay to a point. But when you've got human beings that don't feel safe being on social media anymore, or people that have to, you know, change their career path because they can't handle that kind of... Yeah, it just... It, it's, it's yeah. It's it's the worst. And I... I my love... For, it goes out to Kelly, because, like, there's... There's nothing more that's that I that I would want for her to than to like continue doing these films because I thought I thought Rose was great. I did too. Yeah. And I just I don't understand where all this comes from. Or I mean I understand where it comes from. I just don't understand why people think it's okay. Correct. Yeah. So. Mm, yep. Anyway. Yeah. I I think for me it's the 
the, that and one other franchise, like the most vitriolic, hateful fandom, and the other one being Rick and Morty. Yeah, that got that got bad real fast, which made me really not enjoy the third season, and at all, in qu- yeah. quite honestly. I mean, I really enjoyed the third season, but as a show, and not you know following it on social media and hearing people talk about it like I enjoyed with the first two. Well, I guess with the second one, I wasn't watching it when the first one came out, so. And see, here's the thing: I was, and like, I really enjoyed enjoyed it because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this is this is a fun sh- like it has it, it's it it's fun like it is a clever show. I just I just I wish the why are why are fans so bad? Why are fans the worst? Maybe it's a geek slash nerd culture thing where there's just that sense of entitlement and sense of. And I and like I just don't get where it comes from, like because like everyone says, oh, the geeks have won or whatever, and we really like if this is the way we're behaving, I don't I don't want to win, right? And like yeah, geek culture is becoming more mainstream now, like Star Wars and Infinity War and those kind of things can be mainstream movies that are super popular and everywhere in the public eye. I just don't understand how that then. I don't know. Maybe it's because, and I'm I, again, I'm spitballing here. You know, we have we didn't really plan to talk about this in this depth, but it's a good conversation, I think. Um, where you know, kind of nerd culture, geek culture has always been, at least in media, kind of you know, poo pooed upon. It's been like you know, oh, haha, you're a nerd, you're a geek, you like Star Wars, that's funny. And mm-hmm. it's been kind of a, I don't want to say lower social class, but you know, it's kind of what I'm getting at, if that makes sense. And suddenly sure. it's popular and it's in the mainstream and whatnot. It almost feels like just, you know, now that it's popular, there's this expectation that, ne- you know, the the geeks and the nerds, so to speak, who had been enjoying it when it maybe was less mainstream have to have everything still their way. You know, like, they're not willing to evolve and change and grow with the medium that they're supposedly in love with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's basically social hipsters in a way like (laughs) i liked star wars i liked comics i liked all these obscure sci-fi tv shows that rick and morty references before they were super popular so now if they're not done exactly the way i want it or exactly the way i remember it then it's these non-geeks and non-nerds who are are ruining it for us and therefore i deserve to be hateful towards them right which makes absolutely zero sense like you know I get it. A lot of people who grew up loving Star Wars and comics and stuff like that were probably picked on and stuff in school. And, probably. And I'm I, I'm not saying that's okay, but I I think that now that those things are popular, that doesn't give those people a sense. It shouldn't give those people a, yeah. the right to do it back. Yeah, that is that is not what we want, and that is not what we as a podcast stand for right like i like star wars growing up i liked comics as a kid i you know i got made fun of because of those kind of things but you don't see me going on here and ripping it you know daisy ridley for not being whatever or you know telling ryan johnson that he's useless because he decided to do something different than what i expected or what i might have wanted for those characters like Mm -hmm. that's the whole thing about going to the movies is you're looking at somebody else's vision of somebody else's world and you get to become immersed in it if you put yourself in those character shoes or you kind of watch it as a, you know, third person. It's not to be like, oh, um, so Star Wars is coming out. Here's the movie I want to see. Let's go pay to see it. Like, no, if you want to do that, go in the movie business. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it's entertainment, be entertained, or, you know, and sometimes it's not going to be entertaining and you're not going to like it, and then, you, you know, write a bad review of the movie, you know, do a dumb podcast that nobody listens to and complain about movies, <laughs> but exactly. don't, don't give send death threats to people who are doing their job, right? Like, I don't get it. Like, Right. And I... And the the part that really frustrates me is are and it's are the people who are like yeah she didn't deserve this and then ends it with but and then literally anything else that pisses me off yeah like no you don't deserve it you don't deserve to be hounded off of social media just because somebody didn't like the job that you were doing in a movie you know mm-hmm. Kelly Mouton doesn't have creative control over. The Last Jedi. She didn't get to decide what her character was like. You know, right. she played the role that was written for her, and I think she did a great job with a great character. Yeah. You know, and I'm not even saying that, like, you know, hey, terrible Star Wars fans, go attack, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, go attack, you know, Ryan Johnson about these things because they're the people that made it. Like, don't do that don't, either. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Because that's also, you know, BS. But that you wouldn't go. To, you wouldn't go to a restaurant. Like these, these same people probably would, but you know, you wouldn't go to a restaurant and then yell at the waiter if your food wasn't made right. Mm. Those, people, those same people probably would. Yeah, I, I don't. I think. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, like, I, it's still not right. You know, if you buy whatever, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. It, no. it, it's just nonsense, and I think it's a good thing that you brought it up because it's something that needs to be talked about. And I don't know. I, I don't want the fandom to destroy what I think are good movies. And I think that, you know, Solo, for example, I didn't love it. I didn't think it was very good. And the more I think about it, the less I like it. Yeah. But, you know, I've expressed that thought. I've said that I don't think, I I wasn't excited about seeing it, I wasn't excited when we saw it, you know, I wasn't excited to review it. And yet, I'm I'm not ending uh, Alden Ehrenreich or, you know, Amelia Clark or any of those people hate mail. You know, I'm not hounding, um... Ron Howard on social media for making a bad movie. But yeah, maybe they didn't have the best performances. Maybe they didn't make the best movie, but like, it's their jobs. Like, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Yep, pretty like, much. At some point, we're going to get a really garbage Marvel movie. And, you know, I'm Marvel what you are to Star Wars at this, I think, is probably the closest equivalent, but... Pro- probably at this point. Like... I don't get how you get that upset about something. Or, or if you do get upset about it, fine, I get it. But simmer in it. Deal with it. Like, you're a person who went to see a movie that you didn't like. Too bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, it's it's just so over the top. And I just don't get it. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm going to leave it for now. <laughs> uh, we'll probably talk about this again in however many months or years when uh, the episode 9 comes out. And we'll see what the, the fallout is. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's what we got. Uh, we're going to go talk about a movie now. That was totally wicked! Everyone be a the critic. All I can hear is criticize, criticize, criticize. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, we're back with a film review. So this week we're going to be talking Ocean's 8, the remake or the reboot of the remake of the Ocean's 11 franchise with George Clooney, which was a remake of the Ocean's franchise with Frank Sinatra. There's a lot of remake here. But yes. we're talking about Ocean's 8, so the most recent one. Um, directed by Gary Ross, starring a bunch of amazing women, including Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, Rihanna, Helena Bonham Carter. Like, a lot of people. A lot of great people. A surprisingly great cast. Yeah. Like, I don't, 
I don't really know how they did it, but they did it. I think it's one of those movies like the, the Oceans franchise with George Clooney, which I think what most people have seen, um, if you've seen any of them. They're okay. Like, they're not amazing, great movies, but they're solid. You know, Steven yeah, Soderbergh sure. made a solid you know, movie with Ocean's Eleven, and Ocean's Twelve is not very good. Ocean's Thirteen is... Better you know, than Twelve. Better than Twelve, not as good as Eleven. And there's some problems with them, but they're fun, silly heist movies. And I yeah. think that there are enough in the public medium that I think it's okay that... I think a lot of these women who were, you know, when they heard maybe the project was coming, was like, yeah, I want to be a part of that, and I think it works. Yeah, I agree. Like it, um, you know, I it got it's got getting pretty decent reviews from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's at a let me check. Um, it is at a sixty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a little bit low, but um, I think there's problems with the movie. You know, it's not amazing, but I saw it you know the other day with a friend, and it was actually really fun. Like, I enjoyed it. Um, I'll say this: I, I have not seen it yet, and that's so. fine. Like. Yeah, we can't always see both movie, every movie, but there are some really good moments. Most of the cast is really fun. There's a lot of really great humor in there, and there's some solid jokes. I think my biggest problem with the movie um, is that it's a little bit long. Um, there's a couple of moments in it where it just feels like maybe it's dragging on a little bit, and if they shaved, you know, ten fifteen minutes off of it, it could have been a a more tight story. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I think the movie does really well that maybe the, you know, I don't want to say original trilogy, but like the George Clooney movies didn't do is all the cast um, that is involved in the heist, so basically Ocean's 8, they all feel like they have a purpose for being there. Like, there's no reason for, like, they're not just being shoehorned in so they can get another couple of actresses in the movie. Um, It actually felt like they had a purpose. Right, like everybody involved in the heist, their job was very clear and why they needed that specific person um, worked. Mm, okay. Like, I just think it's it, it works so well as a, like, you know, oh, we definitely need Mindy Kaling's character because she's a jewelry maker and we're stealing jewels and we need that and she's the person that we can rely on to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. We need Rihanna because she's the best hacker. So. Mm-hmm. Like, and even if it's, like, these are character decisions, like, just written into a script rather than, like, it necessarily being, like, this person needed to be a woman. Like, right. It, it just, it it seems like it's better than what we got with the Ocean's Eleven series. Well, I mean, for like, for example, in the Ocean's Eleven's movie, there's two characters, and I think they're fun characters, but um, Casey Affleck and his brother in the movie, um, Scott Kahn. Like, their characters are fun. I enjoy watching them. They're funny. But they don't seem to be doing anything that any other people could do. Mm, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, they could have picked anybody, because, like, mostly what they do is distractions, and they do some, you know, mechanical stuff that they probably could have gotten just about anybody to do. Sure. Whereas, you know, it feels like the people that are involved in this heist are the ones, like, they need this specific person to pull off the heist, or at least somebody with this person's specific skill set. And so it feels like each character is needed and really woven and given actually a moment to shine in the story. Whereas sometimes, like, you know, it's not, you didn't go, you don't get that quite as much with, with the, um, the, the other ones. So, yeah. All right. Um, there's some cool cameos in the movie as well, which we'll talk or I'll talk about, I guess, in a little bit when I talk to more spoiler stuff. But I think the the main um, the main cast is great. There are some certainly there's certainly some standouts. Um, so Anne Hathaway uh, plays kind of a celebrity, and she is maybe my favorite part of this movie. Oh, interesting. Um, so she plays Daphne, um, and I'm losing the last name, but um, so basically she's a celebrity, 
And so she's kind of the target of the heist. Like, she's the way they're going to steal what they're going to steal. And it's mm-hmm. just really funny because I think Anne Hathaway is one of those celebrities that often gets portrayed in the media as kind of being very stuck up, very ditzy, very like embracing the celebrity lifestyle, if that makes sense. Sure. And so her character in the movie is embracing that for sh- like, like she's that kind of stuck up celebrity that needs to be dressed by the best designers and have the best, all the rest of it, you know. And she's just so joyous. Like you can tell she's having plun fun playing this kind of parody character. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really good. Um, uh, Sarah Paulson's really funny too. So she plays kind of like a, a mom who kind of used to like work in like, from what I gathered in the movie, like smuggling and like collecting stuff and buying it cheap and then like selling it illegally to make money and stuff like that. And so her role in the heist is like she goes undercover in like the organization that's putting on the Met Gala because that's what they're trying to rob. Mm-hmm. And she's just so funny. Because she's like, you know, she's trying to, she's in the middle of a heist and like her son's calling her being like, hey, you know, where are you, mommy? And just like the way she reacts is really fun. Um, Helena Bonham Carter is amazing as always. She plays a fashion designer who has to design like the outfit that they're going to make the um, Anne Hathaway's character wear so that they can like, you know, steal what they need to steal. So Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah. And then obviously Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett are also fantastic. Like everyone's really good. Um, Aquafina plays Constance, who's um, kind of like the pickpocket, and she's just incredibly fun. Like every time she's on screen, like she's so she do- she just doesn't have like the same connection as like the other characters. Like so, um, Aquafina and Rihanna's characters are both kind of like they're obviously criminals. You know, um, she's a, a a thief, and Rihanna's a hacker but they don't usually work on, like, big jobs, so to speak, right? Like, that's just... Sure. Whereas, like, the rest of them seem to have been involved in these kind of heists and stuff in the past. So it almost feels like they're just kind of shoehorned in. Like, when they, whenever they interact with the other members of, like, the heist, like, there's always some good humor in the screen there. Nice. Um, they bring in James Corden at the end, who is James Corden. I, I don't like James Corden very much. <laughs> yeah. He's overplayed, I think, which is... Yeah. The the best way I think I've heard him described, I don't remember where I heard it, so I apologize to not citing my sources, is it almost always feels like he's playing a character. Mm-hmm. Like, like on his talk shows and whatnot, like he always, he's playing a version of himself, or he's playing up his kind of personality or really eccentric sure. things. Like, I think he's very funny when he isn't trying to be, and I think he's very talented. But, yeah. Like, he has a really great comedic moment in the movie but I just feel like it goes on a bit like there's a moment you know the opening part of the movie um, I guess we'll get we'll get into some spoiler stuff now um, so spoilers coming if you haven't seen Ocean's 8 I would recommend it I will probably give it um, I'd say a solid 6.5 out of 10 uh, I'd put it probably around the same level as Tully okay um, it was. It's good. There's some real fun in it. I do have some issues, and it's not like you know amazing filmmaking by you know in some sense, but like it's fun, and you know, I I would say it's it's better than Ocean's Twelve and Ocean's Thirteen. Maybe not quite as good as Ocean's Eleven, um, but there's probably just some you know kind of like when we we're talking about Star Wars, that kind of historical bias where it's like you know you build things up. Sure. You know, I think it has. I don't think it has as many high points where it's just like, oh, that's really cool as Ocean's Eleven, but I don't think it has some of the same kind of 
low points where it's just kind of like, I don't know why you did this, or this doesn't make any sense at all type things. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So, into spoilers. So, Sandra Bullock plays um, George Clooney's sister, basically. Um, And so, like, the heist they're going to do is they want to steal these jewels from the Met Gala. Um, And in the same time, Sandra Bullock also wants to set up um, this guy called Claude, who is played by Richard Armitage, who's, like, the reason she was in jail in the first place. Um, And... Yeah, it works really well, like, that part of the movie, with, like, the little revenge arc and whatnot, and that's where James Corden's, like, biggest, like, like, laugh moment comes in, like, he's interviewing Claude in his home, and he's just got all this, you know, Claude's got, is very wealthy, and he's got all this stuff around him, and he's got these weird, like, I guess they kind of look like palm trees, but without, like, the the foliage at the top, like, just the trunk, and... Like, they're just weird and sitting in his, like, living room area. And he's like, you know, why would... So, you know, interview's like, so why would you be involved in this heist? Like, you've got everything. You've got two of these. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of funny. But, like, yeah. The best review I heard of the movie is it's fun, but it goes on a little bit too... Was it? It's... The best review I heard um, was it's a lot like... It's a lot like late night TV where it's funny for a while, but it goes on too long and ends with James Corden. Okay. So, I thought that was quite a, a fun review of it. Um, but, the heist was fun. Like, the way the characters interacted with each other was fun. Like, Kate Blanchett, Sandra Bullock, like, the whole cast is a lot of fun. Um, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but the general idea is they need to steal this you know, really, really expensive necklace um, at the Met Gala. And so, you know, in order to do so, all the different moving parts have to come together. So, you know, for example, Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett, like they're kind of like the go-to. So if you're trying to draw equivalencies, they're kind of like George Clooney and Brad Pitt in the Ocean's movies with um, with those guys. Sure. Um, Mindy Kaling, she's a, a jewelry maker, so she's like the specialist who knows how. Because when the heist is undergoing, what they're going to do is they're going to steal the necklace, replace it with a fake, and then when um, you know everyone's looking for it, and st- cause, you know they're not going to be able to smuggle it out with all the cameras that she's going to cut it into, like, smaller pieces of jewelry and make other pieces of jewelry so they all, will, like, all the members of the household didn't wear it out. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, they need her specifically in there. Sarah Paulson, as I said, she's a Met, like, infiltrates, like, the organization so she can be involved in setting up the Met Gala. Um, Aquafina, she plays, like, the pickpocket. Rihanna's the hacker. Helena Bonham Carter, she plays um, a fashion designer. And so the way they're planning on stealing this really expensive necklace is by getting Anne Hathaway's character, the celebrity, to hire her to design her outfit for the gala. And then Helena Bonham character's Helena Bonham Carter's character would insist that her outfit needs her to wear this really, really expensive necklace. So that's how they get the necklace to the gala. Okay. Um so yeah, it's all really fun the way those characters interact. Um and Anne Hathaway's characters is played as kind of this just kind of dumb celebrity throughout the entire movie. And then one of the fun, again, spoilers, twists is at the end, you know, it's kind of revealed. It's like, yeah, I figured out what you guys were doing. I'm not that dumb. I want in. Um, All right. So, like, after, like, basically after the heist is over, they figure out, like, she figures out, like, what's going on. She's like, I want to cut or I'm going to go to the cops, basically. Um, Which I think is, like, yeah, fair. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, it's really cool how she gets roped in and just there's a lot of really fun stuff in here. There are some problems, and I don't want to go too much into that, but, like, the cast is fantastic, the performances are great, the humor is great. Um, I was a little worried because Steven Soderbergh didn't direct it. Um, he directed many of the 
but he at least directed Ocean's Eleven. I don't know what else he's done, but I really like his type of humor, and like I think he does a really good heist movie. Um, but mm-hmm. he did he was involved as a producer, so you know there's that. Um, Gary Rossi's fine as a director. Um, this movie is well put together. It doesn't have any glaring kind of filmmaking flaws, if that makes sense. Like there's no like oh like why is this scene shot this way, um, right. you know. And he's done some good stuff. He's been nominated for for uh, four, I think, Academy Awards. I'm just going to look at the... Yeah, four, according to um, uh, IMDb. But, you know, he's also done just kind of more popular stuff. He's done The Hunger Games. Um, yeah. My favorite movie of his is uh, Dave. Have you seen Dave? No. Oh, I think you really like Dave. Is is Dave the... Wait, which one is that? No, maybe he didn't direct Dave. He was definitely involved on Dave. I don't, I'm not going to look it up because I don't care enough and that's not what we're talking about. But Dave basically is this movie where the president gets really, really sick. Um, or maybe even dies. I haven't seen it in a while. And so they find this person who looks just like him because they don't want to send a nation into panic. And so this person's called Dave. And so Dave pretends to be the president. Hmm. It's no, like I, a political comedy. I very, very much recommend it. I have not seen this. It's from like the early 90s. I want to say like 93. Um... It's a it's a good one to watch. I'm going to look up who, okay. who did it now because it's going to bother me otherwise. But it's a very fun movie, very funny in, in parts. Um, it is 93 and it was directed by Ivan Reitman. Gary Ross was uh, the writer. There we go. I knew he was involved. Um, so, yeah. Um, but no, Ocean's 8 is pretty solid. I probably, uh, like I said, would give it a 6.5. I doubt that I'll buy it, but I also don't any of the, own any of the other Ocean's movies. So that shouldn't be a reflection of that. Yeah, that doesn't seem so. That doesn't seem like a one way or another. Yeah, actually, I might. Hang on, I'm looking at my shelf. I might own Ocean's Twelve because I think I got it in a box set of like George Clooney movies or something like that. (laughs) So I own the worst one, and that's not Ocean's Eight by any stretch. Um, It's fun. It's you know, it's a heist movie. Heist movies are very rarely like Oscar gold, right? It's not that kind of a movie, but it's really really fun. There's a lot of great moments, and I just love a good heist. And there's some twists in there that I'm not going to spoil. There's some really fun cameos from some of the cast of, like, the George Clooney movies. I'm not going to say who, and I'm not going to say where. It's just good fun. I would recommend seeing it. All right. Yeah. Sweet. So, yeah, that's our film review this week. Uh, tune in next week for another fun review. But in the meantime, we'll move on to Matt's pick. So what's it going to be, huh? You never know what you're going to get. Wow. Well, that was weird. What do you want? It's not that simple. What do you want? All right, we're back with Matt's pick, the part where Matt picks a movie, and then we talk about it. So what have you got for us this week, bud? Yeah, so this week I've got the um, the 2008 movie Wanted, which is really dumb. Yeah, it is. But god damn it, is it fun. Is it? Um, I mean, it, yes, it, it is, is fun. I'm not going to argue with that, but like, yeah, it's very dumb. It is... It is one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen in in a lot of ways because it makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. It's I'm, like, oh, yeah, you have you have a genetic instinct to be a, a, an assassin. Like, I could have, but I would have bought onto that. Like, I would even bought onto curving bullets and all that stuff. That's not how rifling works. But, like... This movie had me until, like, the last 20 minutes or whatever, when they, or, like, whenever they introduced the loom. Oh, God. Yep. 
Like, um, that is, like, of all the ridiculous stuff in the, this movie, including, like, curving bullets, mud baths that cure broken bones or whatever it is, uh-huh. you know, all that stuff, you know, like, the crazy jumping across, of, like, streets through buildings and stuff, like, all of that I could, I could look aside, because yeah. it's fun, it's a dumb action movie, and that's just fine. Right, it's, uh, but, but they literally... But the idea of looking for what basically comes to, like, binary code in a loom or whatever it ends up being. Yeah, it's it's coded names uh, for their targets mm-hmm. through errors in fabric. Yeah, the loom of fate, I think it's called. Yes, it is. Oh, no. it's... Um, but, you know, for, you know, the movie looks expensive, and it is. It's $75 million, but it made way more than it it made almost four hundred million. Well, it's got a ton of A-listers. It does, or at least. It's a, I mean, Angelina Jolie and Morgan Freeman were the A-listers at the time. I mean, James McAvoy. And McAvoy. I, I don't yeah. think he was an A-lister when this movie came out. No, um, no, absolutely not. And Chris Pratt's in this movie too. Yeah, he is. He gets hit it's, to the head with a keyboard. And it's got music by Danny Elfman. Jesus. For no reason. Why? Why did Danny Elfman do that? Like, like this movie's bad but also good like when it's good yeah. it's good when it's bad it's real bad yeah and the director oh, i looked up the director because i was like i have no idea how to pronounce this man's name mm-hmm. because he is a russian and it's very much a, a russian name um who he also directed abraham lincoln vampire hunter okay I that say. explains everything <laughs> i think so I'm looking at his name. I can't pronounce his name either. Uh, Timur Bekmambayev? I don't know. Um, but he's Close best no- he's best known for his film Nightwatch and its sequel, Daywatch. Different than Baywatch, though. Yes. Probably better. Probably. Probably better. Um, yeah, no, this movie's not great, but it's fun. The action is stupid. It- it's solid, though, at the same time. Like, there, there has no reason to be as as good of action as it is, you know? Yeah. This movie could have been a lot better really easily, and it could have been a lot worse really it could have been easily. a lot worse real easily. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's it's a mess, but it's fun, and, like, you'll enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a lot better. It could have been a lot worse. You know, I'll take the middle that we got, honestly. Yep. That's fair. I don't know. I it's really few movies you can kind of compare it to. Yeah, I can't really think of one that I can honestly compare it to. Um, I guess maybe uh, what's the, uh, Kickass is kind of the closest thing. No, that movie's like way tone. better. Or in but tone, like in, yeah, yeah, and kind of senseless brutality. Yes. That's yep. fair. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. But, like, otherwise, yeah, but it's 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 a stupid fun movie, and if you can find it streaming somewhere, I recommend it. Yeah. It's a fun movie. It's, yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, that's Matt's pick, so let's move on to our final segment, which is going to be a spotlight this week. So tell me about yourself. I know everything I need to know about you. Are you familiar with Spotlight? Don't I know you from somewhere? And with this week, like I said, we are doing a spotlight, which is when we take some time and focus in on one person, 
usually related to the movie that we reviewed this week, and kind of just talk about their career and how it's been. So this week we're looking at Mindy Kaling, um, one of the co-stars of Ocean's 8, and a very, very funny person. Um, yes. She's done a lot, so why don't you get us started? Um, so, I mean, Mindy Kaling really got her start from uh, from the research that I was able to do. Her first accredited role is in the four-year-old version, Virgin as a character named Amy. Hmm. Um, now, as as somebody who has, I've I've never actually seen forty year old version. Mm-hmm. Have you? Yeah, it's pretty funny. I don't remember her role in it though. Yeah, I mean, and it it released the same year as The Office uh, did. Um, so I mean, she kind of started with a big movie and one of the biggest shows of all time. Oh yeah. Um, and both with Steve Carell, yep. which is an interesting coincidence. Probably not a coincidence, but to me it is. Yeah, she, um, she's definitely done a lot more writing. I think is what she'd be known from, like, or at least I, a lot of her I, work has been writing. Like, she wrote several episodes and directed a couple of the uh, of the Office, and was very involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been honored by like writers. Um, associations i know she's done a lot of stuff with her show the mindy project you know she's she writes produces and stars in that um yep so she's definitely one of those kind of auteurs like that kind of creative person who likes to be involved in many different aspects of the creative process yes i mean um i'm just going through imdb list like she wrote um uh she she's got credited all 117 episodes that are created by and written by 25 between you know the start of the end and she has 27 office credits to her name as a writer mm-hmm. um uh she she wrote a, a sketch for at least one sketch for snl um so yeah i mean she's she's it, it she does it all like kind of which is kind of really exciting which is kind of why i really wanted to pick her because she is um she, she, what do I want to say? Like, she's a very well-rounded actress who is in somebody in the industry who can just kind of do whatever she wants and yeah. is incredibly good at it. Yeah, she's really funny. Mm-hmm. Like, like really funny. Like all the movies that she's involved in, her characters just exude like so much comedy on screen. Or, you know, by voice, because she does some voice work. She's uh, discussed in Inside Out, for example. Mm -hmm. And I just, it works so well. Like, I don't know what it it is about. You know, there's sometimes just comedians that just have that presence. And it works so freaking well. And I don't understand how they do it, because, you know, I'm me. But, like, it's, I just enjoy it so much. Yeah. Um. And I think, that, you know, like, for example, in Ocean's 8, like, some of the funniest moments in the movie, in my opinion, were involving her, where, I don't know, I think a lot of her comedy revolves with just kind of this idea of being annoyed or in, um, bothered by other people, or by <laughs> kind of, I don't know, preying on that kind of prima donna standpoint, like, what a lot of what her character is in The Office is, like, that kind of prima donna type person. Yeah. And I like that she like she embraces that kind of comedy, but she can also do very different stuff. Like, for example, one of the jokes in in the in Ocean's Eight that I really liked is you know she's she works as a jeweler um, with her family business, 
Um, and so Sandra Bullock goes up to her and says, like, you know, how long would it take you to make seven separate pieces of jewelry when given a big piece? And he's like, I don't know, four or five hours? He's like, you know, how long would it take you if it meant you could, wouldn't have to leave with the ammonia anymore? It's like, so much quicker. And, like, just her <laughs> timing and tone and everything, like, she's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't... Um, like, I'm just trying to think like, what else she's... She's really done... Um, like like I said, a, a lot. Uh, she was she was in the first Wreck It Ralph movie. I don't know if she's going to be in the second one. Um, I don't think so. A, just as a, a voice of one of the um, one of the princesses who was in uh, Candy Rush, mm-hmm. Sugar Rush, Sugar Rush. That's the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like she's like I said, she's just a very talented actress who I'm. I kind of love almost everything she's done for the most part yeah i mean i haven't Um, seen everything she's done that should be clear and there are things that she's done that i probably wouldn't like um like i'm not a huge fan of no strings attached i haven't seen that personally but you know isn't that basically just friends with benefits i'm pretty sure they were released in the same year and are basically the same movie but star different people fair enough um yeah no I mean, I like what I've seen her in, um, the exception being uh, Wrinkle in Time, which was very disappointing, but she wasn't bad in it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was just, there were problems with the movie, but they didn't come from her, that's for sure. Right. Um, I'm just really excited by her and the comedy that she puts forward. Like, do you watch The Mindy Project? No, I don't. Okay. It's pretty funny. Like, it's not, in, at least for me, it's not like, you know, side-splitting hilarious all the time, but it's, it's consistently entertaining. And you know that sometimes that's all you really need. Yeah, and it's just, it's it's one of those weird like rom com TV series that just works so well. Um, you know, it's over now, unfortunately. Uh, we finished last year, but if you can find somewhere to stream, like definitely. I'm sure, it's all on Hulu. If I remember correctly. Yeah, go for it, and because it's funny. So anyway, yeah, that's all I have to say on Mindy Kaling. Um, her, her career is still fairly new. Um, she's only been active for about you know thirteen years or so. But there's a lot of a lot of stuff in the future to be excited about from her. So yeah, yeah. Also, I'm reading on her Wikipedia. She owns one percent of a soccer team in Europe. Which one? Uh, Swansea City, which is a a team that plays in. Um, now all the championship now they got relegated last season sucks for them but yeah they're from wales this isn't a soccer podcast no but you'd probably do one nah i don't know enough about soccer i only know enough (laughs) about like my team and they're not very good so it's okay um anywho that is what we've got for this week um thank you all as always for listening it's been it's been fun, as always, uh, yeah. chatting with you, Matt, and uh, chatting for your listening pleasure, all you out there in the internet. Um, next week, we'll be back with a movie that I am very excited about. Anyone who's listened to Matt Bracket Challenge will know how much I love The Incredibles, and the sequel is coming out. And you better believe I'll be there the first night to watch it and love it, and hopefully it's not bad. Please don't be bad. It's gonna be great. Yeah, But if it is bad, if it is terrible... Um, I'm definitely not going to start harassing Brad Bird on social media, as, or or any of the or other anybody. Yeah. So because no. I'm not 
well, I am a Star Wars fan, but you know what I mean. I'm not one of those Star Wars fans. <laughs> Tune in next week for Incredibles 2. Go to all the usual social media places to send us your questions, comments, suggestions for future episodes. You know, whatever it is, if there's a movie coming out you want us to talk about, if there's a movie you want Matt to pick for Matt's pick, if there's a piece of movie news or just a movie-related topic that you want us to talk about, send it all. You can look find those things in the show notes below. But if you can't read or don't feel like it, at Six Rows Back on Twitter is our handle. Six Rows Back at gmail.com is our email, and Six Rows Back Podcast is where you can find us on SoundCloud. All those places work. Send us send us all of your words, and we will read them and appreciate them. Um, yeah. Anything else to add, Matt? No. Have a great week. We'll yeah. see you next week. Enjoy yourself. Have a great one. Um, as always, I've been Oliver. And this has been Six Rows Back. Thank you.